back to Schoolhouse Cracked. With me, as always, is Mr. Brett Derrickson, longtime educator, longtime educational leader, and a guy who comes up with crazy ideas for schools that ended up being tremendous. That I do. That is Dr. Motor Chandler. He is super smart. He can run 100 miles. He is raising horses. He just taught himself CAD. He's a professor. He does his job, and for five years, he did at least half of my job. He's badass. <laughs> Welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. All right. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. Um, it's been great kind of going through this experience, Brett, and starting to engage folks in some of our uh, kind of crazy conversations, crazy ideas. Um, so usually we start with a, a tale from the trench, but we had a great comment uh, written in from one of our listeners, uh, Elizabeth, and um, she was talking about kind of wanting to hear more about here's what not to do in a school mm -hmm. as a parent or as, a, as an educator, as an administrator. Um, but one of the things uh, she brought up that I thought was really, uh, really significant coming off of our back to school episode um, was uh, the role of joy in school. How do we bring in more joy, more fun, more laughing into learning um, and how uh, learning should be social and fun. And so coming back into, into back to school, I know you just went back to school this week, actually, um, and, uh, and, and getting ready to welcome kids back. I uh, thought, thought it was a really interesting question, interesting topic, but also something I know we, we both care about. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot uh, about if, if we're stealing. We, it's a, Elizabeth, thank you for the, for, the, for the comment. Yeah, thank you for writing uh, in. Yeah. But we, we've talked a lot about uh, together. It's one of our common bonds. Like, is our structure stealing the life out of kids? Are we over-schooling uh, them? And, you know, right now, Marcus, what's happening, I know you've left the school district recently, but we've got our new teachers in, mm -hmm. and we're doing our summer professional development programs, getting geared up to, to have kids. And there's, there's a lot of very kid-centered, authentic, caring ideas and people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't know that anybody is using the word fun <laughs> or joy, and uh, and I'm not I'm not sure that I'm having fun or experiencing joy. But what I what I can tell you is, and you're more of an expert on this, but uh, I experience through my memory a whole lot of learning either through joy or sadness. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just going to go ahead and act like an expert here in education, I'd rather go the joy route than the sadness one. Right, so, right. Uh, th I mean, what is the role? What, what, what is the balance? I mean, I got, a, I got an email today, uh, Marcus, and I'm wondering if that parent wants joy for their kid at all. Like, they don't want their kid to participate in a couple of things, things that to our okay. school are, are, are absolute must-dos. Right. Uh, they, they think that maybe they can take their kid out of, like, parts of the school day because they don't even want them there because they hate this Thing, uh, and, or whatever it is, I don't, I don't want to attack a, a parent or, or our school or anything. But the justification, kind of like an a la carte school day, right? Okay, all right. And, and, I'm, I got and, you. and and part of me like super resonates with that yeah, idea. Like yeah. that to me is what was great about the university picking your not only your classes but when they would happen and so on and so forth. But what I will say is, none of her arguments were, "Hey, can you just make sure my kid has a a great day?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I read this comment from our, our listener, Elizabeth, and it kind of got me back to like my original training, like coming up through the educational system, um, going through uh, degrees and, and doing the research. And uh, and what's surprising is we're, we're 
absolutely, I agree with Elizabeth 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we're, st- we're still having this conversation it, as if it's, is it appropriate? Obviously, our listener believes it's 100% appropriate, as do we. But the fact, kind of culturally, we're still having this conversation is just weird to me because, like, the research goes back, like, almost 50 years now. And, uh, and, and so when, when I read this comment, I started going back to some of the kind of keystone studies that I was familiar with that have kind of informed the educator I was and, and, and the counselor I was. Um, and so I'm going to read you two quotes. Um, and one dates back to 1977 and, and 1982. Um, and it's uh, uh, that students who retain what they learn when the learning is associated with a strong and positive emotion. And so the opposite is true in that regard, which we've learned over the last 50 years, is when a negative emotion is tied to the learning, they're less likely to retain it, they're less likely to apply it. Um, so absolutely, like like you said, when, when you can attach a positive experience, a positive emotion to your learning experience, you're more likely to remember it and you're more likely to apply it and extend it. You know, I'm going to go one step further. And, and uh, it sounds like Elizabeth's question, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to, to read her comment, but it sounds like Elizabeth's question or comment was was associated with the, the, the role of joy. And we've mm-hmm. kind of turned it into... Uh, memory and learning mm-hmm. and you know what I'll say about that is also people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like if, if yeah. I if I walk into a place and believe I'm about to be in an environment or with a person who is joyful versus stringent yeah. then I I'm I'm going to have to assume and 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 um, neurologists you and, and psychologists you guys weigh in on this but I'm going to have to assume that my brain's more ready to be a learner as well, fundamentally. No, so you're absolutely right. Those, I mean, I'm glad you said this. We, did, we didn't talk about this, but that quote is actually from a cognitive uh, neuroscience research study from the 70s and the 80s. So you, somebody did the homework without doing the homework. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but it was of brain imaging scans. Mm-hmm. And so when a positive emotion or a positive state of being exists while you're learning something, different parts of your brain activate mm-hmm. in a very different way. When you're in a stress state, uh, uh, an anxiety state, a fear state, uh, those parts of the brain aren't activated. You're, you're in more of the hindbrain there. And, and I could think we can both think of adults in our childhood that activated those two different parts of the brain differently and how it affected our learning. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk about my, my children a lot. I've got two, one, two stories. Oh, one story and a quote before you get to, uh, to the 1982 quote. One is that my son, uh, every time I do something that requires him requires him to have a responsibility that he doesn't want to do. He turns to me and says, gosh, I wish I had a stepdad. <laughs> it's, 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 oh. it's fun loving. I love the joke, though. That could though. mean a lot of things. The whole, <laughs> but the whole idea to him, though, is, is like, I, I when I'm fun, he, he wants to be around me. Mm-hmm. When I'm asking him to do something he doesn't want to do, anybody else will do. <laughs> oh and... But, you know, the other one, here's, here, it's not a quote, but it's something I said. Uh, one time I was teaching kids about the hierarchy of, of the Middle Ages, the, yeah, cl- yeah, the yeah. class structure. I think I've told you this story before, but it's been I don't, a while. I don't think I remember this. Well, it's the first time I made, uh, you know, I was a rookie teacher. It's the first time I made, like, an unbelievable uh, verbal faux pas, which you catch me on mm-hmm. all the time. Regularly. Right. It's a hobby. Well, let's just say this. Yeah. Schoolhouse Cracked is about us examining the things in schools, our, our institution that need close looking and need repair mm-hmm. before the foundation gets hit. I'm not going to tell you what I said, but all I can tell you is I tried to come up with a tagline, and the tagline that I came up with turned Marcus White in the face. 
So you did tell me this. Yeah. It was no. so traumatic, I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well said. No, but on this one, though, I told the kids, you know, like, you know, about the feudal system. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were going through the feudal system. We had a triangle drawn out, visual okay. learning, you know, where peasants fit in, right, and right. nobles and lords and the whole structure and the role of the church and the aristocracy. There's so many great comments that are even uh, relevant to looking and examining our democracy today. And a kid asked me, well, what, what's the difference between a noble exactly and the king? Mm, okay. And I said, and they're like, what, you know, I was trying to explain. I said, well, you know, the king can do anything. The king can mm-hmm. ask them to do these types of things, whatever they want, even to the nobles. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. To a king, the nobles are peasants. And, then, and he's like, well, what's an example of something a noble would, would be asked to do that a noble doesn't want to do? Okay. So right. I said, well, the king can ask them to attend the king's balls. Oh, oh like dear. Like, da- you know, <laughs> formal <laughs> dances is what I was thinking about. Yeah, like I, you have to... I know exactly what you're saying, right. but, uh, but, but a the... room full of 16-year-olds Oh, God, but heard... we, we, laughed. <laughs> I, we laughed our way to the end of the period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was, but I'll tell you But this, every one of those kids probably remembers absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. There, yeah. there was no problem with the feudal system yeah. on the final exam. Is my point. 100% score. Well, and so you hit on two things that that from my end and my background are really important is is just the cognitive neuroscience behind that. So the extension of that quote, and this came out in 1992 from Christensen, um, but the the clinical evidence has shown that stress and boredom, confusion, low motivation, and anxiety can actually inversely affect and interfere with learning. So not only in the absence of joy – that's one thing in the classroom. But when the opposite is true and actually those negative stress states are, are being felt in the classroom, it actually works the opposite direction. And, and so uh, one of the things you just told me reminded me of a history teacher I had as a kid. And in hindsight, becoming an administrator and a principal and, and working at the university level with educators, um, in hindsight, he was not a good teacher, but he was a he was an awesome human being and he was hilarious. And so I can't tell you much about world history from high school anymore. Um, however, we had a video project where he it was evident he just wanted to phone that that two weeks in now knowing this as an adult, but he tasked us with recording the last three chapters of the textbook in a video we could do whatever we wanted yeah. with like and, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure oh it was yeah, yeah it was it, it and what we produced was actually astounding for our age and the technology at the time and I remember every aspect of that yeah. I remember the the philosopher that died from drinking poison hemlock yeah. and that's how he committed suicide yeah. or that's how he completed suicide I remember how uh, how uh, Alexander the Great died and, and it's because I had to make it a stupid stupid video with my friends out in the field and, and we threw in aspects of, like, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. We threw in parts of, uh, like, Strange Brew, if you're familiar with that crazy Canadian movie. Oh, I and know. I remember everything about that because he allowed us to be creative. He gave us choice. And it allowed us to kind of access that creative part of our brain through choice. And that's something I, I want to bring up as well is when we talk about all these things, um, one of the things that we both have, have appreciated through our own backgrounds is just choice in learning and yeah. how choice can bring joy. And that not all 30 kids are doing the same damn worksheet and all turning it in at the end of the lesson. I think that that's going to end this segment, choice. It is. I mean, and choice, the connection between choice and joy, choice and autonomy, Mm -hmm. choice in the belief that you can impact your your own education. I'm going to go reverse just for a second. Marcus, I taught world history for Mm -hmm. 18 years, and I'm not sure I could pass 
a final exam and everything. The AP World History yeah. exam with oh, a five. Well, yeah. well, I'm not talking about the AP World History <laughs> exam. I know I couldn't pass that. I'm talking about literally whatever the semester Your exam own is. test. Your own test. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I got you. With that being said, though, it, it's just an emphasis that connects to your point, which mm. is the daily learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. Teachers, kids, families, whatever, whatever it is, why, why do we ask our kids, what did you learn today? Uh, we, when a kid comes home for your dinner conversation, we didn't ask, what did you learn in the curriculum over the semester, and is it aligned to the state standards? Nobody's ever asked that question mm -hmm. ever, not even a teacher parent has. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that, yes, Elizabeth, joy is not only something we should be seeking in be our school experience, should it should be like the main idea. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, maybe in your PLCs, professional learning communities, or when you're collaborating with your school, maybe you even start asking that question. How fun is this? Yeah. It, it, because mm -hmm. that's the absolute truth. But to connect it back to what you and I do know about education is, is that student choice develops autonomy, mm -hmm. it develops divergent thinking, it develops the, uh, the capacity of, a, of an individual to have a voice, mm -hmm. um, not only in what's learning, but to, to develop a voice period that wherever they are, they belong. This is not small teacher talk. If you're this giving- is, It's a big it, question. Yeah, and if you're yeah. giving kids a chance to choose anything from what they learn, how they learn or to how they demonstrate how their they learning, demonstrate their learning absolutely then you are beginning to give students not only a joyful learning experience or a memorable one but also the opportunity to understand that you do matter mm -hmm. well and, and that goes back to something we've talked about in several episodes is is the relationship and the rapport the teacher builds with the student you know we've said it before if you have a relationship with a kid that kid will run through a brick wall for you as a teacher that's why we see some so many kids link up with math teachers and do really well in math and it has nothing to do with their their joy for math because let's be honest from our experience very few kids have a joy for math they have a joy for the human being teaching them math yeah teaching them and very so that's not a shot them. at math teachers that's a shot just at kids will connect with the person they they have a relationship with mm -hmm. and then it'll run through that wall for you mm -hmm. paired with a joyful learning environment and some student choice you can accomplish anything in the classroom yeah i i'm just again uh, <clears throat> folks the research is out there I mean, you know, I don't want to ruin how good of a thing we got going on here, Dr. Motor Chandler. <laughs> Nothing we've said ever or will say is unfounded. Yeah. It's about us putting it together with, with, with things that our community of listeners, like, like our, our listener today, um, want to know about, want to examine. But I, I'll, I'll give you this uh, anecdotal, and it goes with choice. When I, in 1994, when I was tasked as a, a senior with that kind of, high school version of your senior thesis we right. do a research right. project it's nonfiction. it's research you have to present all these things i thought this will date me i thought that i wanted to examine uh bill clinton president clinton's policy on um don't ask don't tell oh, okay and i had yeah. a huge huge perspective mm -hmm. uh, that i'd already come into with it based on uh, my, our family values mm -hmm. And I did all this research, and which was card catalog, like literally what we had available in the library. It so, was your 30 minutes in the library yeah, a week? Yeah, yeah pre, but pre-internet. But <laughs> still, even at that, like it is amazing in our country what we've done with knowledge. Like, yeah, it's amazing in the small town that I did this paper in that I still had too many things to read and learn about that I mm. could 
you know, write a paper. Mm-hmm. End of the day, though, I go to my English teacher who I didn't like at all. I feel like she hated me because I was an athlete and not as like serious as other students. And I said, I can't, I can't do, I can't finish my thesis. I've done all those note cards. I, I had my thesis approved, everything. And she says, well, then you change your thesis. You use your note cards. You've got to get this done. I think she thought I was trying to be like it was baseball season. I think she was trying. I thought I wasn't trying to get out of the paper. The whole point is she let me choose the whole topic. She let me discover and seek out my own problem. And at the end of the day, my solution didn't fit. Mm. And that that changed my life. Right. She let she let me do have some autonomy, some creativity, absolutely. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, because I'd done all of that and then changed it, I owned the learning. I had anxiety, which mm-hmm. I didn't normally get in school over over the score of the paper, right. and I did a great job. Yeah, that day that I did a great job, I decided I wasn't an athlete anymore. I was a student. Mm. I could do it. That's how important this is. I know that that was yeah. a, a, a lot, but student yeah. choice. It doesn't matter if you're a sixth grader choosing which country you're going to examine or which formula you're going to use to solve a problem or which questions you're going to answer in order to show the the standard of the learning target that you that you know the choice matters so i you said standard and learning target there and i have to interject it wasn't something i had planned to talk about but it was something in my reading i I came across (laughs) and something you know that i'm a little bit militant about coming out of the pandemic and all, the, and we had an episode about this, all the people saying kids are behind, kids are behind, kids are behind. And, uh, and it's become even more relevant. And so the, the question is like, what the hell behind who? Like yeah, everybody's yeah, behind. Yeah. If, if, if last year's Olympic time for the mile was four minutes, but this year at the Olympics, everybody's running an eight minute mile, nobody's behind. Yeah. Like are, they're behind the past metric. And so there was this great quote uh, from, from Susan Engel out of Williams College. And, and I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's 100% what I agree and is what you just said. I heard a, a first grade teacher say to me back in August when she was planning a remote teaching, she said, the parents are so worried their children are gonna keep, aren't going to keep up this year. And so the author said, keep up with what? And she looked surprised and she said, well, the standards. But I mean, the standards are completely arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Who made up the standards? Just a lot of people sitting in rooms. Yeah. And actually, we've known some of those people in our careers for better or worse. And the teacher said, I don't know. And I'm not sure they were good standards in the first place, but it's silly to let those constrain you too much as a teacher right now. Yeah. And, and so I want to hammer home because you said that is we're coming out of the pandemic. We're, we're quote, getting back to quote normal school year. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. That's not happening. Um, but when we're focusing too much on the semantics and the logistics of learning, we lose out on the joy. The students didn't attain today's target. They didn't match today's success criteria. Like they're not prepared for this target on the exam. Well, that's fine. Are we expecting every student to get 100% on every standard? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But can students retain that information, apply it, synthesize it, personalize it at, at a competent level? Absolutely. And how do they do that? We know through having a joyful learning environment. Yeah, and, and going back to your choice, mm-hmm. there's so much pedagogy. There's so many ways that not only that we can choose our learning, mm-hmm. but that we can have fun while choosing our learning. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, folks. If if a student farts in class and or everybody an adult, or laughs, an adult. <laughs> I'm going to laugh. Yeah. I think a public fart is amazing, yeah. especially if you can do it on purpose. But notice in my stories, I wasn't talking about that. Mm-hmm. When I, what we are talking about 
is the joy in the love of learning, the building of curiosity through allowing a student's individual interests to shine through in what we're doing. Yeah. We're not talking about some loosey-goosey, uh, frilly little like new thing. What we're simply saying is student empowerment mm -hmm. through choice designed by the teacher because they believe kids are curious, interested, and want to learn. So I, I, before we wrap up, I just want to share one last story that happened actually just two days ago for me. Um, and uh, you talked about your story in, in high school and that level of personalization, but also having some fun. And, and uh, so I, I, I'm cur I currently have a section of uh, master's level um, military officers working on a, um, a on a combined like a multidiscipline degree for service at, at a major military academy, and uh, and they're loud, they're boisterous, they're fun. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful group to teach. Like uh, it's a joyous environment, and we tackle some very very difficult things. But I'm also at the same time working with uh, students in their second year of their master's degree who are leading those students in small groups. And and I had a dialogue with those lab, with those leaders, and they said, um, and it was it was great. We had a good dialogue. But they said they're so loud, they're so boisterous, they're having so much fun. What do we do? <laughs> and I said, you don't do anything. You don't do anything, because it means they're excited to be here. They're having fun, and, and don't listen to the noise. Listen to what they're talking about. Good one. Dude. And uh, and and what they were talking about was all, I actually, I can't say 100%, but 80% relevant to our work in our, right. our, in our course. And, uh, and that reminded me of just some of the educators we've worked with over the years that prevent that from happening in their students. And, and through yelling at kids about dress code, that kid's going into math class in a negative state, and they're not prepared to learn that information in a meaningful way and apply it and personalize yeah. it. And so, so parents at home, when, when your kid comes home and talks about a great learning experience or a negative learning experience, um, I, I would say don't listen to the noise, and, and in this case, don't listen to the uh, to all the logistics behind the story. Listen to that emotional state they're in, and that'll tell you a lot. And for teachers and administrators, especially principals, assistant principals, when you walk into a classroom, it, hell, even assistant superintendents and superintendents, when you walk into a classroom and it's loud and boisterous, listen to what they're saying. Don't listen to the volume. And if your kid likes their teacher. Maybe they're not sharing with you the standards and the learning targets. Do your kids share that with you no. when they come home? No, no, they don't. No, they don't. No, but I know that they're learning either as much as I didn't learn or as much mm -hmm. as I did learn. At the end of the day, it's going to all culminate. That it's going to work out. But what I do want for them is a twinkle in their eye when they're talking about mm -hmm. their learning experience. And that is so geared towards the how and the daily learning experience, not the, the end or the be-all. No kid has ever looked at a syllabus. No kid has ever looked at the state standards, no, unless they're suing somebody. <laughs> no, nobody's ever looked you know, at, the, at the whole curriculum. The whole point, though, is that, that what they just want for tomorrow is a great day. Yeah. It, it mat People matter, and how you learn matters a ton. Yeah, so if I could just summarize everything we just talked about is – are the standards important? Absolutely. Is the learning environment important? Absolutely. But not at the expense of relationships and joy in the classroom in their learning. Yeah, so, and the activities that promote them. Yeah, Designing, yeah. Design a fun experience. So I'm going to say this, no worksheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> don't hand out a, a an eight page yeah. response sheet yeah. and and have it due unless you're doing some formative check. And parents at home, keep an eye out for that too. Um, is, is the learning experience for for your students allowing them to have fun, personalize their learning, make some extensions to their learning in a way that is beyond the textbook? So. Absolutely. Um, so, as always, thanks again for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. Elizabeth, thanks for writing in and providing us your thoughts. Um, you can find us and send us your thoughts at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Feel free to comment there. We'd love to implement some episodes based off of your feedback. And find us and uh, download our podcast on all your favorite podcast channels. So this came, this whole podcast came from that comment. Uh, it made us think and question where we were going with what we were doing, and it did come from a comment just left off of the the YouTube channel. So right. subscribe to that YouTube channel and, and get us some, some thoughts and some stories from the trenches. All right. As always, thanks for tuning in. He's Brett Derrickson. That's Dr. Motor Chandler. Have a good one.